Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account. You get amazing odds boosts every single day. Uh, we're off to a great start to today's show as Jesse DC'd, and I just find out my camera isn't working, so I have to yeah. grab a, a replacement camera. So Every day it's something. Look, someday, some days that's the way it goes, all right? I'm telling you, man, yesterday I just unplugged my headset midway through the show on accident. Did not mean to. and <laughs> Could not hear anything being said for like two minutes. It was awesome. Look, all right. Don't let anyone ever tell you live broadcasting is easy. It's just not the truth. Mm-hmm. Is this still on my good mic? Last time I did this, it messed mm-hmm. up. All right, baby steps. We're getting there. Uh, the plan for today's show is to talk about actual NHL hockey things, which is impressive. Whoa, you know? whoa, whoa, whoa! No, no, no! Before we start. <laughs> We have to talk about Disney. Oh, I thought that was how we were doing that first. Yeah. Yeah. No, I want to get. I want to. I want to start here because. Okay. We our first segment's always the tightest, and things get off the rails at the end. We're gonna start off the rails today. We're gonna change this one up. I want to know from you guys what your what your favorite Disney films are, with a couple of caveats. Okay. Uh, the. You can't count the Marvel movies as Disney. You can't count Star Wars Star as Disney. Wars, yeah. You can't count live-action sports movies like Miracle as Disney. We're talking strictly animation. I will. I, I will allow. So, Pix, so you're Pix, asking Pixar to be in this umbrella. Disney animated film, I think, would be a better way to put. This. Yeah, and yes, I am including Pixar. Because you you made a great point yesterday on Twitter. You were like. This is so hard because there's so much that falls under the umbrella. Yeah. Like honestly, another one of my favorite Disney movies is the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like you kind of like, where does it fall? Yeah. Um, dude, they, Disney makes the vast majority of what Disney does is just banger, banger after banger. So it's hard to pick. Yeah. Um, let's see. Does anybody else have an answer? I mean, I felt like I, so I watched Moana while I was playing video games last night. Um, that movie rocks, but uh, I, I was reminded of the existence of Wally this morning, and that's really my answer because that movie holds a lot of uh, there's deep love of Wally. Uh, Wally's a good one. I actually, uh, I hadn't even seen it all the way through until just a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, Wally's Wally's fantastic. Any any movie that can be that uh, emotionally gripping without a script is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, it's like the opening to Up. Yeah, there's I there's mean no there's no dialogue and it's just rip your heart out. If if up had been a short film and the beginning had just been a short instead it would have been Jeez. perfect and i love Whoa. i love up i think up is i think up is incredible but damn that'd be such a, a brutal way to end a short film that's yeah i mean <laughs> well, it was yeah. a short little disney that was a story movie. man your dad's in the hound was my favorite movie as a kid yeah really? it was wow. also one that i was advocating for with the live action remakes 
But I am a I am a big bring back live action animal voiceover movies. Having grown up on the homeward bounds and uh, <laughs> uh, of the world, uh, I would very much like to bring back people dubbing in their own voices of you know their own narration of what animals say to each other. <laughs> um, man, I don't know this. It, this is tough. I mean, the Toy Story movies, uh, especially the first one, like those are ones that I remember being a big part of my childhood, and like they're just they're just great movies. Um, so those are up there. I I love Frozen. I think Frozen is great. Big Lion King guy. Uh, really? No, I just can't do it. I can't watch it anymore. I, yeah, 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 I got it. I, I got it. I love uh, loved it as a kid. Yeah. I can watch around certain things. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Like, I, look, Akuna Matata, that whole scene <laughs> rocks to this yeah. day, but can't do it. No, yeah. No, I, I get it. Um, but, I mean, and that's that's actually, like, that's what makes Disney movies so great is, like, they're emotionally gripping and they're, yeah. they're cartoon, you know, they're, they're supposed to be kids' movies and they uh, make you feel all kinds of things. So, yeah, I'd probably say Toy Story, Lion King, and then Frozen would be like my newer age. Toy Disney. Story's up there. Frozen is interesting because I think it's amazing, but yeah. it got overplayed yeah. so much that everybody's like, can we just take a 20-year break from this? Well, it was it was like the first Disney movie that I really remember like since I was little to be like a like universally loved Everyone, everyone was in on Frozen. Everyone was in on the songs. Um, Dude, I would yeah. go to the mall because I've always been a big mall person. And you would walk into any store, any store. And instead of that random ambient music that just sort of haunts you as you go through malls, mm -hmm. it was let it go. And every, yeah. everywhere you went, let it go. Well, dude, I mean, who's the, who's the MLB pitcher that is using let it go as his walkout <laughs> song? Right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like... Yeah. That that uh, that movie and the soundtrack really. I, I actually I don't ever remember there being, uh, you know, let alone a Disney movie whose like um, original songs were that like embraced by. Like you said, you go into the mall and yeah. they have "Let It Go" playing in all the stores. It's like holy yeah. shit. I also, Brad. I I actually loved Tangled. Loved Tangled. Megan also, looked like Car she hates all of these movies, by the no, way. No, I just don't know where to jump in. I like them all. I like Mulan a lot. Yes. Oh, that's oh, a great Mulan's one. one. Yeah. Great it one. was really empowering, and she was a really strong character. They usually are, too, but there was just something really fun about the storyline in Mulan. I also love um, The Little Mermaid and Moana because of the proximity to the ocean. You're an ocean fan. Love well, I'm a little scared of the ocean, but I do love it. The ocean is terrifying. If you're not at least a little bit afraid of the ocean, you have underestimated it. Really? <laughs> uh, Chris put in chat cars. The first cars, that's another nope. one that's a it's a great movie. You don't like cars? Monsters Inc. If we're going Pixar, Monsters Inc. Absolutely. Oh, cars eh, didn't do it for so me. Good. I can't I can't do it with cars because of the whole theory that the cars became sentient and just and, and killed their owners and then took on their personalities, and that's how they became like car people. 
And I just think about this theory every time that I've watched it, and I'm like, this just fucks me up, man. I can't even, I can't even, like, no, I don't. It, it, it's a fine movie, but. I feel like that's better than the theory I heard, where all the cars actually are people, but they're, like, stuck inside of the car permanently. Then I think you guys are looking a little bit too life. far into this Pixar movie. <laughs> oh, no, man. I feel like You've they're gotta... just. Cars. You've got to live in the you got to live in the Pixar conspiracy theory world where all the all the movies live in the same universe and so it's trying to figure out the timeline of them when things happened uh like the way that uh Frozen and Tangled are uh are intertwined. So that yeah, that I did I did know that. Uh You know. Anyway, anyway, that's that's what messed up cars for me cuz I used to think it was fine. What a really I weird thing to have mess it up. I won't lie, AJ. <laughs> now I just think every time I'm like, every time Lightning McQueen is like, ciao, I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder what dude had that as his catchphrase before this car murdered him. <laughs> and that's what I think about. So I don't watch that movie anymore. <laughs> as I was saying, I think Cars is good. <laughs> I like that one. Uh,. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a lot like Wreck It Ralph. Uh, I love both. Actually, I love both of those movies. The the way that they portray the internet in the second Wreck It Ralph is like one of my favorite things, like in any movie ever. Actually, just how they make the internet like a place you can go, and every website is like this big skyscraper. Um, yeah, in, in Wreck It Ralph two, you haven't Ralph seen it. The internet. Ralph Ralph does break the internet, as the title would suggest. Uh, but just I, I just remember the first time watching that thing that uh, visually that movie was awesome, and, and like they portray pop up ads as like uh, you know like the scummy little guys that walk up to yeah. you on the strip in Vegas and like hand out cards. Like that's how they project, uh, yeah, pop up ads and uh, viruses and stuff like that. It's great fun, great fun. I think Inside Out might have single-handedly like reminded me that children's cartoon movies are the best. So, did do the whole bing bong thing <laughs> hurts? Hurts the it. It made me think of it made me think of every stuffed animal that I have said goodbye to as I've grown older. I uh oh shit! I totally lost my train of thought. I wasn't expecting you to say stuffed animal that I've said goodbye to there. That just kind of threw me off. Real, what did you say? Uh, Inside Out was the movie. Oh, that's an adult got me back into him. Yeah. Have you guys seen Soul? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I've I haven't seen it all the way through. Um, I've heard that's one that can tear you up if you're not like emotionally prepared to watch it. Uh, it was fine i liked it i liked the message in it you know i liked that it was like be passionate about something and you know live your like like chase your dreams you know like i liked Mm -hmm. that part of it i thought it was cool yeah um the one that the one that really caught me off guard was onward that one oh i haven't seen that one i i've heard i've heard people like that that one really kind of mess me up and i like knowing the subject material going in i knew there was a pretty good chance i was not gonna do well mm-hmm. um but they they did it they did it in such a way that i ended up actually being able to watch all of it 
and not be like, nope, this hits on this really raw nerve that I can't handle. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, do they, uh, Disney, like they do, man. They just, so you know, many good ones. So right, many like, good ones. Big corporation. And I'm sure I'm going to have people be like, oh, you shouldn't support Disney because they're whatever. Yeah. Cause do Walt you, Disney might've been a really bad dude. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He's been dead for a while. Uh, right, right. Like, no, he's been cryogenically frozen, oh waiting oh to come God. back. Yeah, he, yeah, he's frozen in the Pixar verse. Um, yeah, he was the face like... in the water and frozen <laughs> under the ships. They just uh, they 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 do the storytelling really well, and as someone who is in an industry of storytelling, uh, I don't know. I, I can always appreciate the stuff they do, and seriously, like I. I didn't think the new star Wars movies were earth shatteringly great, but like, I just, as someone who's a fan of that franchise, fan of the Marvel stuff, I was happy when Disney acquired them. Cause you just know that whether you like the movie or not, you know that they're going to put good time into it. There's going to be a good script and good story and uh, stuff like that. Disney's Disney's the best and the mighty ducks movies for someone in the chat. Yes. Ob horrible hockey don't know when the last time was you guys watched the mighty ducks movie doesn't hold uh, up man as a kid you're like all oh, these kids are awesome team usa and you watch it and these are like yes this guy is on team usa and he can't stop can't stop right <laughs> yeah it's uh it's, uh-huh. it's pretty rough <laughs> when you just watch their like and again they I remember watching a behind the scenes thing on miracle uh, another Disney movie where they talked about one of the big casting decisions was, do we find hockey players and teach them how to act? Or do we find actors and teach them how to play hockey? And they, they, I mean, as you can imagine, America's a pretty big place. They found enough <laughs> crossover uh, hockey players that acted and stuff. So like they talked about making a point to want to show people that knew what they were doing. You can tell they did not think that through with Mighty Ducks. They were like, yep, just get some kid actors and we'll strap skates to their feet and I'm sure it'll work out. Did And it did. The movies were dope, but... Did they not spend every game, the entirety of it, on the penalty kill with the Bash Brothers? Like... <laughs> Dude. And then, and then the the in the second one, the one kid jumps over and lassos somebody yeah. and give him like I mean, two minutes for two minutes. Out of control. Like, yeah. I mean, the goalie skates all the way up, takes his helmet off, gets another guy's stick, and then fires <laughs> off the knuckle puck. Just a clapper from the red line, and no one gets involved at all. Yeah, they all just uh, all of Team Iceland just stands there and watches the goalie come all the way out of the like. Yeah, I also do love how started on the flying V. There's the oh yeah, you're offside. Um, I love how Iceland is the powerhouse and they play Trinidad and Tobago and there is no mention of Canada or any Nordic countries in this international tournament. Like all the actual hockey countries are just completely left out. But again, I love the movies growing up. <laughs> look, did, Cult classics. Look, they knew... If they involved Canada and America won, it would just be too unrealistic. (laughs) I actually wish they would have just for the extra little bit of spite. I mean, it's like, yeah, Disney's in on this. We know. We know. Which country was it that like didn't even get a game? They just showed the final score and it was like seven to one or something. In Mighty Ducks? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know they beat Trinidad and Tobago. Which uh, do they even have a hockey team at any level? Well, and they, their depiction I of that team was, shocked. dude. I was trying not to go there. Yeah, Yeah. but the yeah the fans in the stands and everything. It's like uh, they were treating it like they were at Carnival, man. Like it was like, dude. I even remember as a little kid being like, "Why did why did they make them like? Why did they do that? Like why did they make them look like that in the stands with bongo drums? Like, come on." (laughs) Anyway, I mean, maybe. I have no idea. Maybe that's what a hockey game in Trinidad and Tobago is like. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, yeah, maybe. We're maybe their market research on that was spot on. I have yeah, no it, idea. There's we have listeners in Trinidad and Tobago that are like, "Hey, fuck you!" That everyone in the stands has bongo drums. Like, we sell out ten thousand people all with our own bongo drum each. Show now it's now it's gonna be Vuvuzelas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Now, now yeah. we just look like idiots. I love those things. Sound like a like a thing of bees all game long well thing of bees. thank god for the goodwill games i guess yeah <laughs> Ooh, we should start our own dnvr goodwill games jeez oh, we'll, like we'll, we'll win because we'll just invite the only the most obscure countries to compete no we'll invite the other denver media outlets yeah <laughs> Watching yeah, I mean, the fan show up and just be like, "All right, we got this." How many? They do. They do have the most pro athletes, so I feel like they'll have or former pro athletes. Can they we'll skate? skate. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. the. <laughs> uh, Chad Brown, I think, can skate. He he he's a Canadian kid. He he talks about hockey quite a bit on there. I'll bet you he could. He played in the NFL. He knows how to skate. I'll bet you he could do some damage. But <laughs> I imagine you're in pretty good shape across the rest of that. Yo, cool Runnings was about a true story. Okay. <laughs> like that Jamaica bobsled team went to the Cal of Calgary games because putting together beer league teams is really difficult, and even the most coordinated beer league teams on earth. No, see, the real truth here is that we've tried to get a softball team together for the last couple of years, but when you have a company whose entire world is yeah, uh, covering pro sports, pro sports don't ever really stop. Yeah, the yeah. only the only break in the calendar is the couple of months in the summer when the Rockies guys wouldn't be able to when when Susie and, and Patrick wouldn't be able to come and hang out. And even then, it's like oh, it's July first. Sorry, it's our free agency day. It, like right, and and then like the 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 Nuggets guys are gone because they have to go to summer league in Vegas. Yeah, you know, well, at the you- at the end of June or something, and it's. My beer league. We're always busy is is my point. We're always busy. My beer league actually canceled. I think it was two games during the Avs cup run. Cause they were like, yeah, we know that like, there's going to be a bunch of forfeits and people aren't going to show up. And that's just people watching the games, let alone if you have teams full of, of media, hockey media. Right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you're, that's like a hard cross off most weeks. So it's, Getting a beer league hockey team together would be pretty, would be like comically, like that would be very impressive that it would right. be able to play two games all season. <laughs> but we can't even get a like a just like a, a softball team together because yeah. we're just too busy. I know I've talked to some people about like, um, not at DNVR, but like I've, I've mentioned to people, like, I don't know, maybe DNVR would want to sp- sponsor that. It's like an already, yeah. 
in place beer, like, you know, theoretically, like in my beer league team, like I think we could DNVR could definitely pull off something like that, do some jerseys or something. But yeah, pulling one together is incredibly difficult. And like I said, even the most coordinated of beer league teams, it's just such a nightmare from week to week. Trying to schedule anything in adulthood absolutely no, sucks. Sucks. So tough. Um, the other news of the day. Uh, I don't want to make light of anyone's death because the Queen of England is dead. Oh, yeah, crazy. But man. also, does that mean Canada's free now? Because no. like Queen Elizabeth had a great life. I, I I feel like she lived as much as anyone could possibly live. So. Z Z referred to her earlier today as Canada's grandmother. And I thought that's a pretty accurate way to put it. <laughs> I was uh I actually ha- I happened to be on the phone with my mom when like the news was breaking. And like it was one of those things like you said, it's 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 very sad. There's a whole swath of people that are grieving today, so not making life or anything, but like it was one of those things where she was up there. Yeah. Like this isn't that unexpected, right? Like, I mean, 96. She lived a whole life. Yeah. Very full, yeah. Uh, Yeah, crazy stuff, man. That's, uh, it's gonna be crazy to see what all that means, like, in the world, because I've, like, she's never not been the queen. For, like, people's entire lives. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) You have to be like 70 something for her to have not been the queen your entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to be up there. Um, okay. It was going to be the rookie tournament roster and it was, it took a really different turn. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been far more interesting for our topics. We're not going to get that thing till Monday. Yeah. That, Maybe we're gonna, that thing's going to release the, like on the, the rookie tournament. It's out. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was today. The roster is out? Yeah, for Avs. Oh, well, let's talk yeah. about that then, because I didn't Anna see Van it. Ranta, Kim Wright, Foodie, Bocage. Always with Kim Wright. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oh, yeah, okay, so this is, yeah, so this is the rookie camp schedule. Okay. Taryn Pfizer. Oh my gosh, this defense. Holy crap. <laughs> Nate Clairman. This is hard to look at. Ah, oh, the goalies are actually kind of fun, though, with Anon and Mike. We'll, we'll get to see Ziggy. That's cool. Ah, oh, Brady Stonehouse is back, I see. Hmm. That's cool. Taryn Pfizer, do just give the guy a contract already. Oh, didn't they, didn't they yeah, they did. One? Yeah, they did with right. Yeah. Rookie camp that... numbers are always hilarious to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> Dude, this is so many AHL deals and camp invites. I mean, the forward core is okay. As the expected, D- Ben Myers will be there. The D core is a little rough for sure. Yeah, I mean, Myers, Olison. Ranta uh, is really who? No, he's not anybody. He's a bum. All right. (laughs) Who is that about? I don't think you need to know. (laughs) They should just put him in the D. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank show. you. Thank you. I don't know. No, I mean this will be we have we have all next week to get into this, so Yeah. We'll definitely be talking about this a lot. So cool that cool that Anadin will go though. That is nice for definitely. us. Yeah. I I hate I say it every year at this time. I hate the NHL agreement with the NCAA. Yep. It sucks. Yeah. I do. Yeah. So the stupid. fact that Sean Barron's isn't on this list is so dumb. I mean, we went two years without getting to see Kill McCarr or anything like that. Right. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, or just, Alex. It's just so silly. Yep. It's really, really dumb. Uh, yeah. Anyway. anyway, we are brought to you by Pins and Aces. They are the official. Golf apparel, golf apparel. That's a that's those are words that you say. Uh, they're the official golf apparel here at DNVR. So you can go check them out right now. Uh, they're super awesome. All of, all their merch is is dope. If you saw it's, our golf hats were super super popular for a while there. So that's kind of like what we based all of this off of is is doing apparel in that genre. So people we're expecting are, are really going to like it. Plus they're a family owned golf apparel company here in Colorado. We're always supporting local. You can go to pinsandaces.com and use the code DNVR when you check out to get 15% off your first order. Plus it's free shipping. Again, that's pinsandaces.com for all your golf apparel needs. Uh, we're also brought to you by DraftKings. You can go over there, use the DNVR code when you sign up for a new account with them. Of course, they've got the amazing odds boost going for you all of the time. But with NFL coming up right now, you can bet $5 on any NFL team and get $200 in free bets instantly. You don't even have to win the bet if you're a new account for that. So 200 bucks in your back pocket. Also, anyone you bet on in the NFL, if they get up by seven at any point in the game, you bet hits. You did it. They don't have to win the game. They don't have to, you know, do it at, at the end. They just need to get up by a touchdown at some point in the game, and your bet hits. So jump on it. Go over to DraftKings today. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR when you sign up. You got to use the code to get that good stuff, the $200 in free bets and uh, the early win bonus. Uh, must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Can I, can I add something real quick just on yeah. the – so you were talking about the the promo they're running. That, yeah, you don't have to – the team doesn't have to win. They just have to get up by seven at one point. I think it was two seasons ago now for the Broncos. There was one particular bet on the Broncos that made me – so much money. I think it was two seasons ago. They really weren't very good. Um, they had a lot of ugly games. But I noticed a trend early in the season. There was something about them. Their first drive, the Broncos almost always seemed to, if they didn't get the ball first, uh, hold, hold hold their opponent on their first drive. And the Broncos just seemed to be able to get in field goal range a lot and not do anything past that. And then the wheels would kind of come off after. So I just started betting Brandon McManus as the first scorer of the game of, of any kind, the first person to get points. I hit several times with Brandon McManus <laughs> kicking a field goal to start the game and the Broncos getting their doors blown off. But he hit that field goal. So I was like, sweet, this game is dope. Whatever happens the rest of this way, it's already awesome. <laughs> and so when you said that about getting up by seven, it's like, that's a great, 
That's a great bet to like bet on a loser, like a team that sucks every week, because that that's what always happens to them. Oh, yeah. they get up, maybe a little bit of hope. Blown no out, defense. give up ten Just, straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, B McManus with that first field goal a couple seasons ago. I'm. I was like, I'm gonna buy his jersey with all these winnings at some point. <laughs> now they have a real quarterback, and they're gonna win games and score points. So my fun is over. You could actually bet on. We don't know win. that. <laughs> Both those things are true. Both those things are true. <laughs> um, okay, getting into the actual topic of today, which is some NHL storylines. We're, I don't want to say excited for, but not even looking forward to. Just interesting ones going into the season. Uh, my uh, my shirt might give away one of mine. I think Vegas's storyline is one of the most interesting this year. Um, obviously their cap situation is incredibly weird. They're technically cap compliant because of the Shea Weber deal and Robin Leonard being out for the season. Uh, but also Robin Leonard being out for the season is a huge question mark for them in net. It's a huge question mark how the rest of their lineup is going to bounce back from the injuries of last year. And I really don't I really don't have a good read on Vegas. I really think this season could go either way, where they, they do have a good bounce back and make the playoffs even without Leonard in that, or it could be the beginning of the total collapse of this franchise. I really I really think that they're getting too much respect because of a couple of guys on that roster that people really like. Because when I look at their I look at that roster, I see Oh, I see so many problems Um, and not even getting into the, you know, the unpredictability of injuries, but I just, I guess I'm just, I'm just not sold on them really being able to score enough um, to, to make up for the fact that they're going to be playing who knows in net on any given night. Like San Jose thought Aiden Hill was the answer and he wasn't. Now he's he's kind of the uh, the band aid until Brassois is fully healthy, and Logan Thompson like we have no idea. So uh, I just uh, the goalies are unpredictable, so that makes Vegas extremely volatile. But I I just think that the team in front of them like Bruce Cassidy is a good coach, but uh, the team in front of them I don't think is. Um, I just don't think it's very good anymore. I, I like I, I don't know. Jack, I, Jack Eichel and Mark Stone, like those guys are those guys are great, and and March or so and Smith and William Carlson has like very quietly gotten like a little worse every year since that forty goal year, uh, his first year in Vegas, where it was like, what the, f- what's happening here? And he just gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse and a little bit worse. And, uh, you know, when that thing, when, when, when that trend continues for five years, it's like, uh, like what's going on here? You know, if he, there isn't, he can't continue to get worse and stay in their top six. And they don't really have like a great replacement. I'm, I'm kind of curious what happens with Chandler Stevenson, who has outperformed his contract significantly. And now, like, does he just lose his job? Like, what do they what do they do with him? And can can 
can their depth, which is just like a bunch of blah dudes, like can their depth actually be any good? Uh, because if their high end guys can't can't carry the load, they're screwed. I don't know. And see, my thing is, I mean, <clears throat> Rudo, I'm fully with you. I think this goes one of two ways for them. I don't, yeah, really don't think, think it's the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think there's really much in between. Um, I, I don't know. The, the reason I am not ready to write Vegas off yet is just even with everything that happened last year, uh, you know, even with a lot of personnel change, obviously, a, a ton of injuries that uh, went against them. They didn't have their goalies uh, for, for large stretches. And they were still a 94 point team, like with all the noise around them. Uh, I mean, obviously Dallas also almost shit the bed, but I mean, like they still almost made the playoffs um, with that group. Now, again, to, to your point, AJ, like, Things got a little bit more uphill this offseason. They had to tear some of that down just to uh, get them to be cap compliant. Uh, you know you don't have Robin Leonard for the full season. What are these kids that you're turning over the keys to and net going to do? Um, I think there's a ton of question marks. But for me, I, I just still look at that team and I say the, the makeup of half of that roster is still one that a lot of teams, I think, would trade places with. Um, you know, at, at the top end. And I, I just, I always, when you have a team that's borderline like that with the high end skill, I'll always default to the, I think the skill will at least get you close. Um, I just, I think it would take another year of, of a lot of things going wrong and them really having to like almost acknowledge there's a significant culture problem here, uh, which I think, to most people, it's clear that if there isn't one already, that's what's rapidly forming. And maybe that's what this season kind of comes to a head. Maybe it does all fall apart, like AJ was saying, and they are forced to address that. But um, I don't know. I think there's enough pieces there that you can say, we're hoping last year was a fluke. We can kind of piece this locker room back together and and uh, still put a quality product on the ice. They're not who they were. Um but you know, there's still enough quality pieces there, in my opinion, for them to be a, a coin flip. So part of my problem is they have no room to do anything. Yeah. It's why they're already stuck without really replacing Robin Leonard. But they have like 13 million dollars on LTIR this year, and they're already using 10 of it today. They're <laughs> right. using 10 of it. Right. So yeah. if they lose even one important player for an extended amount of time, they're just, they're in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. like, this is a team that lost off the top. It loses Yevgeny Dadnov and Max Pacioretty for nothing. Yeah. Like just remove those guys off their roster. They're just gone now. Boop. Yeah. There's no, there's no like replacement. There's no like, like somebody will skate in the, in those minutes, but will they be a, as good as either one of those guys? Good luck. Well, well, like, and, <laughs> and, and that's, that's my, that's where I'm at where I'm like, well, I just don't, I, I don't know if it'll be that big of a deal. Cause like they skated without so much of their roster for most of last season that, you know, they, 
to me, in my opinion, like what we saw last year is kind of more or less what I'm expecting this year. And they were close enough that full year of Eichel, if Stone is back healthy, I think he, I think everyone kind of saw what an actual difference maker Mark Stone is in the NHL. Forget who you're playing for. Like Mark Stone is very, very good when he's uh, healthy. Um, so I don't know, you know, let's, I think what you saw last year is going to be a similar product on the ice to what you get this year. To me, it's a matter of how much does all that other stuff around them, uh, go, uh, you know, how does all the external noise impact what's happening? Uh, and we'll go from there, but I, I do think they could firmly be in a playoff spot. I also think they could firmly be, uh, a contender for Bedard. So, uh, I'm with you, Rudo. I think it goes one way or the other. I think a lot of these things lend themselves to each other too. Like depending on what happens with the goaltending situation, if there is a confidence in a Logan Thompson, the team in front of them is probably going to have a little bit more to play for because it's a group in front of the goaltending that has lacked cohesion because of cultural problems that we've pointed mm -hmm. to. And so one of these things imploding, like if Logan Thompson isn't the answer and Bosa isn't healthy, it's going to affect the group in front of him too. And it's just going to implode everywhere else. But someone asked about the prospect pool too. I've only seen a little bit of Henderson. Um, I don't really know that that's much of a solution, but there's potentially opportunity to see someone like Brendan Brisson. If he's healthy, I think I know he was struggling with something like right at the end of the year. Um, but it's, it's definitely not a solution. It's still a part of this coin flip problem where it goes one of two ways. And if you're seeing some of that prospect pool get opportunities, it's because things have gone terribly wrong for Vegas. I mean, part of Vegas's longer term problem is they basically haven't developed anybody. <laughs> like genuinely, the, the one they got close with was Cody Glass and obviously Nick yeah, they have Nick Haig, and like they've had some good prospects. It's not that they've drafted poorly, but they've made decisions like trading Suzuki that have not turned out to look so good for them. So it, it's tough to see where the replenishment comes from for that team, for sure. Uh, anyway, that was that was my major one, but I know you all have a bunch too. So who wants to take us to the next storyline? I don't have much to add on this, but I'm looking at Tortorella in Philadelphia as a coach, just keenly, curiously, how that's going to shake out. Um, is this something that makes Philadelphia more competitive? Is this something that creates a lot of headlines that will be really interesting for the hockey community for the season to come? Um, I'm curious if the Flyers fans don't just burn the city down by the end of the season, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> that, oh. that organization is such a mess right now. Yeah. It feels volatile, and I don't know if that's just for me sort of thinking of different eras of Flyers hockey and then the personality behind Torts and combining these two things together for the most explosive team chemistry possible. And I, I don't want to take anything away from Torts. He's obviously a very good coach. He has a very good track record of making successful teams. But he's absolutely one of those coaches that will rub some players the wrong way, right? Uh, and you're talking about an organization where 
you know, they're already talking about, well, maybe they should trade Travis Konechny. Maybe they should try and get away from some of these players and, and hit a little bit of a reset. I wonder how quickly that fuse burns in Philly, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see, because, uh, like, personality fit, you would think that Torts is, like, a Philly guy, right? Yeah. Like, like no bullshit, like, rough and tumbled, you know, just very, very through the front door kind of attitude. Um. I really don't know what to make of the team because if you look at the team on paper, it's like there's plenty of talent here. They should they should be competitive to some level. They should not be the absolute rollover uh, uh, free schedule space that they were last season. But I, it went that badly that I don't have any confidence that it won't turn or it won't be the exact same thing. Especially with a with a such a volatile uh, guy uh, at the helm, you know we saw with Torts like it did not work in Vancouver. Yeah, and you can tell really quickly with a guy like that when it's not gonna. When, if it doesn't work, it never gets better. Uh, it never it never turns around. It never it just never improves, and. It, they they need to be quick on that, you know. Chuck Fletcher doesn't think that he seem he doesn't doesn't seem to think he's rebuilding. Uh, he's just retooling on the fly here, and could not somehow could not create enough cap space to sign Johnny Gaudreau, a guy who wanted to play there, mm-hmm. and would have immediately given them a little bit of a boost. Uh, I'm. I don't know the, the the Flyers. I really, I really don't know how to feel about them, just because I just, uh, I think that there's enough talent there that you would, you could be like, look, dude, if they're an 85 point team, I don't think that would be a shocking development. If they were a 60 point team, I don't think that would be a shocking development. The only thing that I think would really, truly surprise a lot of people is if they were a playoff team again. You know, if they were, wow, especially out east where. The top of the conference last year was so good. I do think that gap's going to get closed quite a bit. And I would also say, going back to the Vegas point, I also think that that makes their life harder. Because I like that. I think the Pacific Division got better. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think it's I don't think it's quite as easy for them to just climb that rank. Um, but with for Philly, uh, I, I you know. Right now, they're still kind of the bottom feeder out there. And Torts alone? it's Even if Torts helps them, there's just so many question marks, right? You look at the top of their lineup. JVR's already fallen off pretty hard. Cam Atkinson's 33 now. Even Kevin Hayes had injury troubles last year. He might have injury troubles the rest of his life. Some of that stuff looked bad. Right. He looked like a statue on skates last year. So not great there. And they still have the huge question mark of who is Carter Hart actually in their net. So. Yeah. Just not sure. <laughs> um, I'll be brink. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, some, I'll turn to my storyline. The, the, just one of the teams I'm going to be really interested to follow this year and just see 
what kind of becomes of them is Buffalo. Uh, just because last year I thought was the first time seriously in over 10 years where I was watching a Buffalo Sabres game and it felt like there had actually been a page turned. Like I don't, I'm not expecting them to go back to the playoffs this year. I still think they're, they've got a ways to go. Um, but it just felt like the, the pieces they got in return for Eichel uh, seemed really excited to be in Buffalo, to be Buffalo Sabres. You know, Alex Tuck is from the area, um, fully embraced it. And it just seemed like they brought some, again, Ryan O'Reilly said he lost his love for hockey in Buffalo. And that's honestly what it has looked like there for that entire organization for more than a decade now. Um, and the way last year finished, uh, there looked like there was some excitement in the organization. Uh, they got, uh, they're, they're getting some nice, uh, infusion of skill and talent, uh, through kids coming up from the, from the Rochester Americans. Um, they're just going to be a really interesting team to watch this year. Cause I, I feel like they have the potential to be, uh, kind of a feel good story, uh, of this upcoming NHL season. Uh, and, and, and I hope for Buffalo fans, that they do because Buffalo is a super underrated hockey town. Uh, they always, uh, they always show up You're You're used to Buffalo being a place where people sign there and you're like, all right, that dude's career is over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, or but, wow. I can't wait for that guy to get traded at the deadline. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you've seen like uh talk came in there last year and when he was healthy, put together a pretty good season. Um, you had Olafson kind of get back to form there. You even had this weird renaissance from Kyle Ocposo, which was yeah. weird, but seems like he finally got his his mental issues sorted out. So Darlene looked like he took like his first legitimate step uh, towards becoming like a number one defenseman, and now you're adding Owen Power. Um, you know, is that is that your number one pairing by the time the year ends? Is that how it is? Is that what it is when it, you open the season? Um, there just seems to be a few legitimate reasons for optimism in Buffalo. Uh, and, and I don't remember the last time that it, it actually felt like that. No. As a counterpoint, they're about $7 over the cap floor total. <laughs> and you have Eric Comrie as their starting goaltender. Yeah. It's still going to be rough. Don't get me wrong. Like they're not, I don't, I don't see them as making a run to the playoffs. Um, but, but again, like even if you are a Buffalo Sabres fan, and you just see a legitimate step forward. That was something I was talking about. AJ, I think it was with you and Dre on a TDSP about the, about the Broncos here locally. What was so demoralizing about the last few years for the Broncos is that their record stayed the same. Like they didn't get any better or worse. They just, it was just more of the same, more of the same. And that's tough when you're a fan, you don't see, you know, the growth, the steps forward. We were talking about the abs and, and what made this cup run so special on a show last week. And we said it was the fact that you saw the growth every year after the 48 point season when they get their heads kicked in. The next year they scratch and claw, they make the playoffs, they bow out in the first round. You just every year you saw that continuing progression where you hoped, is this leading to the next step? Um, and when it doesn't, it's super disappointing. And, and, and it really does feel like for the first time for Buffalo, that is where it's going. And I hope it does because that's a market that the NHL. Uh, it's great for the NHL when that market is successful. So uh, I hope I hope Buffalo can put together a, a nice season this year. I think they will too. 
I think you can really build off of the Buffalo and expand that into New Jersey and Ottawa and Columbus. Seattle's uh, another one. And, yeah, I, to a lesser extent, Seattle. But, I mean, like, we're talking, like, teams that have been in rebuilding phases. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, that yes. Think, that think they're going to, like, take steps forward this year. Yep. And it's like, okay, well, like, which one of these teams is going to do it? Right, right. Like, Someone's they won't all do it. You know, Detroit. Oh, at Detroit, of course. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you said Ottawa. If I don't, if I don't give Lucas Raymond his credit, Rua will come at me. Are you gonna uh, pull the draft footage of you fawning over that kid? Lucas, Lucas Raymond's a bum. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious that kind of to a lesser extent, like a team like the Jets. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious which of these teams that's like. Who's gonna be like? Who's gonna take that step, right? Like, who's gonna take that 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 rise? Because last year it was the Rangers. You know, that was that was the team that okay, somebody had to, the Islanders fell out of that postseason race. Somebody had to step into it. It was the Rangers. Okay, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out again this year. Uh, because I, you know, I guess you could add Anaheim in there just because they've gone such full blown into their youth movement and into short-term contracts and uh the ducks have made themselves kind of interesting in a like if it doesn't go well half their roster is for sale at the deadline uh and if it does then it means all their young guys took big steps forward and now we're looking at them very differently in six months than we are today and uh i i think you could build off of the buffalo have the same conversation about ottawa the same conversation about New Jersey um, and, and Detroit and Columbus, where lots of youth hitting the NHL at the same time. And how does that go? Um, mm -hmm. You know, lots of big moves. Each of those teams have done a lot of different things um, to, to try and put themselves in a position to take steps forward. Well, they can't all take steps forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it will be interesting, you know, there's, oh, there's optimism and there's, and that's when you go, that's, I think that's when you realize that the easiest thing to do in the NHL is to build a decent top six, you get a nice defender or two, and then maybe you have a, a prayer in net or, or you're really just searching at that position. And, and you're just hoping that some stuff goes right for you. Because, oh, hey, we're competitive. It's not that hard to build a competitive NHL team. It's eh, pretty a lot hard of GMs that would argue with you. <laughs> and it's very, that was, that was very hard to build an elite team. That was an accurate, accurate statement. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not very hard to be like, hey, I built a 75-point NHL team. Like, it's just not that difficult to do. And, and I think that's where it's like, okay – who is taking the step forward out of this group of teams? Are any of them? You know, is it just going to be status quo? Is it going to be the same eight teams out east where, you know, they all, they're all just like, uh, yeah, we're still just better than all of you guys and nothing, nothing meaningful changes? Uh, how, how interesting is the Pacific Division? Honestly, the Central Division, Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, like where, you know, all these teams kind of the shuffle could really be on. It'll it'll be interesting to see the levels of urgency there. I think for some teams like New Jersey in particular, the ones you've listed, it feels like New Jersey has been trying to come out of this rebuild for a couple of years now, right? They've put a lot of the pieces together over the last couple of years. So it seems like 
this is a little bit more of a flashpoint for them than some of these other rebuilds, which, you know, of course they're trying to trend in the right direction. But to me, New Jersey is the one where it feels like if it doesn't happen this year, you start to drift into the well wins. It's going to happen. territory. They need to take a step forward. I think Columbus as well um, needs to take a step forward. You don't sign Johnny Gaudreau uh, to, to be another, you know, to have 80 points again. Like you just don't, you know, I think they need to do it. I think Ottawa, you sign, you give Claude Giroux a three-year deal. You finally get a guy, like you finally capitalize on the. He's from here. He's coming right. back home. Like you need to make something happen uh, with that. You need to take some kind of step. Uh, I think I think Iserman still probably has two years in Detroit until any real pressure gets put on him to be like, okay, like let's. Well, but so all all those. All those teams that you just mentioned, and and again, even Buffalo, and I really do think theirs is more of the way that last season ended because they ended on a nice little run there. Um, obviously, they made the big deal, but but then, like the teams that you're talking about, them what they did in the summer. While I don't think any of those teams necessarily have the pressure to like make the playoffs this year, I do think even for Detroit, my honest um, prediction for the East is it's going to be similar to what you just said there. I think the eight teams that are the better teams are still the eight teams that are the better teams, but I don't think that the race will be closed at Christmas. You know what I mean? I don't think we'll have that level of separation. And for me, if you're those teams, I'm hundred percent with you. you. You, you have to understand you're trying to close a large gap, but I do think that all of those teams, Buffalo, Ottawa, uh, Detroit, Columbus, um, New Jersey, if I didn't say them already, uh, you need to see a legitimate step. Cause if you're not seeing, going back to what we were just saying, if you're not seeing any progress in the New Jersey devils, it's like, okay, what are we doing then? Like, what are we, are we actually rebuilding or are we just kind of shuffling in and out these players? Yeah. New Jersey and, has to, cause they keep spending in free agency. Uh, right. you know, they get Dougie Hamilton. Then you get Andre Pilat, you sign a goalie. Like they're, they're trying to spend money here. They're trying to get better. They're trying to win hockey games. They're not messing around. Like this is an active attempt to get back into the postseason. And if they don't, if they don't at least push, like you, you have to start having the conversation about what the hell's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you can't turn around and rebuild half your roster is already under 25. So it's like, there's no tearing this down. It's more of a, what's going wrong here and i think that's when that's when you start having the bold shake-up conversation or hey maybe you need to trade nico heischer for john gibson or something like you need to do you need to do something bold to just be like this is not working so this new jersey i I would agree totally different level they have to push those other teams i think would all be thrilled with like hey we were competitive until march I, I do want to get some thoughts on the rest of the East, but first we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can get that down at the bar tomorrow. It's the, the grand reopening of the bar with the, the new remodel, all of that. Uh, it's pretty dope. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'm i not sure that you can actually count the number of TVs in the bar anymore. There are too many mm-hmm. to count. So it's, it's an awesome place. You got to go down and check it out, whether it's for a Breck brew or just to hang out with the DNVR crew, uh, go do that. And then we are also brought to you by Green Mountain Dental Group. 
So make sure you're taking care of your teeth. They are the best family dentists in the Denver metro area over in Lakewood, just 15 minutes from downtown. When you get a cleaning x-ray and exam from them, they give you a free Sonicare toothbrush too. So you can take care of your teeth at home. All the same. Thanks to Green Mountain Dental. All right, Megan, I'm curious on your thoughts. AJ and Jesse have kind of been like poking and prodding at this idea of the top of the East. Can it be as dominant as it was? Can we see these six teams over a hundred points just running away from the rest of their divisions? And just looking at the East, I think I could say like the top five will remain close to the same group of top five teams. But I think with respect to the next three that follow the, the top eight, um, there is potential for those teams to um, have some impact from injury um, and the changing coach with Boston, possibility of injury with Boston could make their position in the standings different for them. That could be better. That could be harmed. Um, so I think there's opportunity. Like I see Washington being better than they were last year and maybe holding a higher place in the standings um, and uprooting maybe some of the other teams. Like if we're looking at the top eight. Um, and broadening that out. Uh, the bottom three of that eight is where I think that there could be a little bit of change seed, but I still expect some of these other top five teams to remain the same group of people in like the Florida, Carolina, Toronto, New York, Tampa group. So same teams, I'm, I'm in on this, but are we going to see a bunch of 110 point teams or are we going to return back to reality where it's not a 30 point gap to these wild card teams? <laughs> I I don't know what to make of that. Like, like it feels like the pace of the NHL is going towards more goal scoring, but I and I also have some concerns about goaltending generally just like looking at how it shook out this off season. I don't know um what that's going to look like for some of these top teams specifically. Like New York might be New York and Tampa might be two of the only teams where I have a lot of certainty that goaltending will be fine for them. Um and so it's hard for me to imagine all of these teams having such productive seasons above a hundred points in that same way, but it could just be the way the NHL as a whole is trending. So I would not say that it's impossible. All right. You said something really interesting there that. So I was actually, I was actually about to make a point saying, I don't think we'll see as many 110 point teams in the East because I think the bottom half is going to get better and win some of those games back. But then, Megan, you said something there that just kind of made me pause, and I more want people's opinions on it because I don't know what I think yet. The increased goal scoring, if that really is the direction the league is trending, if we see something similar this year where, where goal scoring is up uh, you know, or goaltending is struggling, however you want to look at last year, um, does that lend to these top teams a little bit better. You know, think about it. I mean, we are talking about Buffalo. And AJ, I already forgot. Who did you say they have in net as their number one Eric right now? Like, Comrie. Right. Right. And, Eric, and Comrie, so, Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson again. And, you know, so again, like half the joke there is that I forgot who they have in net two minutes after talking about him. And so you sit there and you wonder, okay, well, if that is the direction the league is trending and let's say that does hold up, how does that impact some of these bottom feeder teams where again, part of the reason why they're near the bottom is they don't have solid goaltending 
you know, they don't have a, a super legitimized decor. Is that uptick in offense going to keep this gap either as wide or make it more difficult to, uh, to, to, to bridge? It's just, it's just kind of an interesting thought that, that until you said that I, it hadn't really crossed my mind that will we just see this increased goal scoring again? And yeah, you know, these teams like Buffalo, cool. It's fun. It's exciting. You have good players, but tonight you lost seven to five instead of seven to two. You know what I mean? Like, is that what we are staring down? And I think that's going to be another big question is you know, that that needs to be answered is, is that huge influx in goal scoring that we saw last year? Was that a one year blip? It was the anti Jamie Ben 80 point art Ross season, or is this the way the NHL is going? And, and I actually think that could have a big impact on how much movement we see, particularly out East where it was such a big gap between playoff teams and non-playoff teams. It's an interesting situation because, you know, I think it, I don't think you need an all-star goalie or anything to, to really push for the playoffs, but you need a league average goalie. <laughs> goalie can't be the worst position on your team. If it is, right. you're in big, big trouble. You That's how you end up Calvin Pickard 48 point season level stuff. Right, right. Or you have to have an ultra elite team where it's like, eh, our goaltending is the worst part, but it's still average to above average. Right. Which again, see 2022 Colorado Avalanche where their goaltending probably was their worst position, but that's because they were super dope at every other position. And it's like, yeah, their goalie added a, a well above average regular season and it was still probably their worst position. And pretty good. I don't know about you guys. I can't think of a ton of teams that <laughs> that are in that that category. And we're going to find out this year if the Avs are still in that category. Can you afford to have your goalie goaltending be um, your worst position again? We'll see. One way or another, we're going to find out for the Avs. Uh, AJ, did we ever get an actual storyline from you? Uh, I think I think the. I guess my like storyline is the Seattle Kraken. Yeah. Because I just think that they're going to be such a different they're they're just going to be such a different feel for them. Um this year where I think there are going to be expectations. Uh not maybe not a ton, but they have spent a lot of money. Uh if you actually go and like look at their cap sheet, you're not talking about, oh, hey, like, this is a team with a ton of space, you know? This is, it. it it's really not uh, a team with, uh, without a lot of commitments. You know, they've got, like, half their forward course tied up for a couple of years now. Um, half their defense is locked in. They've got at least two goaltenders. You know, Chris Dreger, obviously, with the knee injury at Worlds. Uh, we'll see when he comes back, but I'm I'm a, a a believer that they are my kind of like team to watch going into the year. Uh, out west, it's Seattle. Out east, it's New Jersey. And uh, I I'm just really curious to see how Dave Haxtell screws this up <sighs> because it, it's a I think it's a talented roster, uh, and I think that they. The biggest thing is, you know, can he figure out, can Haxtell figure out that what he did with Jonas Donskoy last year was a disaster? Uh, 
<laughs> you can't use him like that. And like, you know, Don Donskoy's always been a streaky guy, but two goals, like, give me a break, dude. Right. Um, one coming late in the year. Yeah, and I just think uh, that's a team that could just be interesting to watch on a night-to-night basis with the goal scoring that they've added. And if they can stay healthy, uh, I really, I really kind of like what they've got going on. I think they could be, they could just be a lot of fun. And honestly, and, and the other end of this is, uh, the, I mean, this is, this is McDavid Eichel draft year tankathon at the bottom of the league. Uh You've got a couple of teams, you know, Arizona and Chicago have not been shy about saying, eh, we're not even fucking trying. We don't mm-hmm. want to try. What we want to do is we want to go to that draft lotto table with the best odds, make sure that we don't fall out of the top three and we get one of, you know, Fantilli, Mitchkov, Bedard. We, those are the guys that we're after. And, I think it's going to be fascinating for the central division because there's a good chance a couple of those guys end up in the division and that becomes the great threat to Colorado's crown here. Uh, you know, as this run is they st- elite talent starts to filter into the, to the division like that. More of a next year storyline there, I think. Yeah. To be honest. But with I you. think that, but... I think that the Bedard sweepstakes is very, very real. Yeah, and, it's really fascinating to watch the people that are still doubting that that kid, if that kid is for real or not, because he's five foot nine, and it's like, mm-hmm. cool. I, it's fine. You you can just say you haven't watched him play before. It's fine <laughs> because um, he is unbelievable, and like the the Russian factor with Mitchkov is going to be genuinely fascinating. Yeah, you know what's you know with Russia's kind of unstable position in the world at large right now. What does this mean for Russian prospects? Do they how how willing are they going to be? How capable are they going to be to yeah. to leave Russia and come to North America quickly? What does that do to a guy like Mitchkov, whose prospect status has been tip top since he was fourteen years old, and he's been breaking Ovechkin records every year? You're talking about putting himself in the in the same category as Ovechkin as a goal scorer. Uh, uh, in at, at his in his age in his age bracket, that's the kind of stuff that gets your attention. You watch him play and you watch him dominate, but then you're like, look, there are factors beyond his control. What's going to yeah. happen there? So, uh, it's it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be really interesting just to see what happens with the whole Mitchkov story over you know overall and what his KHL deal looks like and how soon he can leave and come to North America and how an NHL team approaches that. Okay. We want to put our future into this guy's hands, how that affects this, this tank, how many teams end up getting in on it at the end of the year. You know, Montreal wasn't expecting to be involved in it last year. This year you can, you can look at Montreal. You can look at Philadelphia. You can look at Arizona. You can look at Chicago and you can say, Okay, well, we've got reasons to believe these guys are going to be there. Who's going to be the big surprise? Is it going to be a Vegas? Is it going to be a Dallas? Is it going to be somebody that we didn't see? Is it going to be Minnesota? You know, like, we don't have any, like, we don't know which is the team that's going to fall off the cliff that we just didn't see coming. 
Yep, there's always one. So I want I just want to real quick go back to what you were saying a minute ago about uh Seattle and the uh, potential pressure being, you know, second year franchise cuz I'm fully with you. They are another team that I I'm, I'm really going to be interested to watch this year. And I don't think there's going to be much added external pressure, especially after last year. I think a lot of people kind of have them penciled in as, oh yeah, bottom feeder or whatever, whatever. But I'd be willing to bet internally that front office is, is feeling a bit of pressure for a couple of reasons. One, because they have a good idea of what they've put together. And I think they probably see it the same way that, you know, we do and the people that kind of follow the sport real closely is, Hey, that's actually not a bad little group they got put together there. If you get a bounce back from Grubauer, which you expect, uh, that could be a team that could compete. But also, and I think this is really important, and I think you have to look at Vegas to understand just how important this is. There's now rumors and reports out there uh, that during the NBA preseason, uh, the NBA is expected to announce that they will be expanding into both Seattle and Las Vegas uh, in the coming years. So what that means, if you're Seattle, is you have another new shiny toy coming into town uh, th- that is going to, you know, like it or not, it's going to take away from some of your draw, some of your appeal. Um, you know, the NBA is doing preseason games in uh, Climate, Pre- Climate Pledge Arena this year. Uh, so there's already, you know, more people getting in on the act. And this isn't like it's going to be a two, three-year build. Once the NBA says go, the arena's ready. Like they are ready to put another team in place there. Um, You want to leave fans with a good taste in their mouth after this season, knowing that the NBA could be coming, you know, one or two years down the road at most. Um, You want to start establishing some of those diehard fans, uh, you know, cracking fans through and through season ticket holders, uh, you, you want people to be excited because if you're getting an expansion basketball team, you can expect that you're going to have to go through a couple years of pain again. Um, and if you're the Kraken, I feel like you as an ownership group, as a management group, you want to be on the up, upswing there. Uh, again, I, I point to Vegas. It was so huge for them the way they captured fans in that first year uh, before the Raiders got to town. Um, and I think this is the fifth year in a row. Vegas has been number one in attendance in the NHL. Uh, over 100% capacity every single night, even last year when they were struggling. Um, I, I do think that internally in Seattle, they are going to dial the pressure up on themselves quite a bit um, just because th- th- there's a new game come to town. And and part of the conversation there is how fascinating the Pacific division is this year. You have mm-hmm. Calgary who's probably asserted themselves at the top of that division, but after that, it's anyone's game through the rest of that division. I think it would be a hard sell for me um, for Edmonton to miss the postseason, I, barring a goaltender injury. I think they're probably in the playoffs, but are they the number two team in that division? I don't I, know. That's my thing. I think they're in the playoffs. I don't know where in that mix they fit, but I think it's a hard sell for me that they miss the postseason. As Bar, per Again, my, barring injury issues. As per my rant yesterday, I'm with you guys on Calgary, but outside of that, genuinely, seriously – I don't know if there's any combination past Calgary to make the playoffs. If there's any combination that you could put together Pacific division that would genuinely surprise me. Uh, I think Calgary, Anaheim, San Jose, and Seattle <laughs> would surprise me. 
if the two. But that's about it, man. <laughs> right, I was gonna say that's about it. <laughs> it. Yeah, if if the two California teams that make the playoffs do not include the Kings, I'd be pretty surprised. <laughs> but but again, like pretty surprised. You wouldn't be like blown away, and that's what's so crazy about the Pacific Division is you'd be like, what? Didn't see that coming. Anyways, right. what else? Like. It's like just, if every one of AJ's list hits, that's surprising. But if one of those does, right, and right. I won't be surprised. Yeah. Even, if, even if, it went, if it's there. San Jose, like, I'll be pretty surprised. They I'll be surprised if it's San Jose. I'll say if it went like Calgary, Anaheim, <laughs> Seattle, LA, I'd be like, yeah. Sure. I could believe that. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts? I don't thoughts? think that'll happen. Just <laughs> It could. Right. Uh no, I'm good. Good, good. good. I mean, I have, I have, awesome. I have hockey culture things that I think would are, are going to be interesting to follow, but that's really just I don't want to get into all of that as a flyby at the very end. It's just a <laughs> um things like hockey culture. I guess society in general feels like it's yeah. evolving really, really fast right yeah. now. We, and, we should probably just do a show on this entirely next week, to be honest. Yeah, and it and it just it just feels like it's all happening really quickly. That I guess I'm kind of just bracing for like what what major landscape altering piece of news is going to come out where we reevaluate everything we've everything we think we've known about something that we're comfortable with today. Let's 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 make sure we do that. Let's do a show on that next week because I know we kind of promised one after all of the Canadian yeah. World Junior stuff. So. Yeah, and definitely so like there's that aspect of the sport um, that I think is in the it, it's I I, I don't want to say it's in the back of my mind because it's not like a low priority, but I think it's just kind of ever present that yeah. this like constant feeling of like what's next well dude it's 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 not even just hockey or just sports it's just life like that's what you just said like what you described there is how the last two and a half almost three years have felt of like what's next like what happens next and and what's crazy scary uh you know pick an adjective is that Sports, part of what people have liked about him is sports have always been like this, like safe space or, you know, air quotes where it's like, oh, the real world doesn't apply to sports. It's an escape. Right, right. You know, it's like, oh, no, you don't deal with real life in sports. And now we're just at a point where it's like, no, real life is a part of sports. Like you can't just, uh, you know, ignore this stuff because you're wearing pads. Like this is a part of life and this is a part of being a person and being a professional and all that. And, uh, yeah, I think we're just, we're seeing it. It went from creeping into the sports world to it's here and it's having an impact on every league every single day. And and yeah, it's just, it's interesting to, the, the what's next, that has been an, an ever impending feeling now for uh, multiple years and it's unsettling. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll get out of here for the day. Uh, we've got a show coming for you Friday. Should be a, a fun one. We'll see what we, we come up with for that. Uh, but beyond that, we'll be back next week uh, with 
not only that conversation, I'm sure, but also leading into rookie camp, abs preseason stuff. So we're back at the rink next week. Yeah, it's coming fast. It's coming very, very fast. So we hope you all will tune in for those. Be sure to like and subscribe here on YouTube. That does us a ton of good stuff. But until the next one, we will talk to you later. Thank you.